Here's what's coming up on today's show. You know, so it's not always about more. It's just about can you continue to add value to those that you work with? And that's just the way our practice is built. There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Welcome into another edition of the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart and myself here to talk investing, finance, and retirement. And we're going to talk about the grass being greener on the other side on this go-round of the show. We've got some good content to share with everybody. So hopefully you enjoy today's podcast. And as always, if you need help, make sure you reach out to Michael before you take any action. Find him online at crystallaketax.com. That is crystallaketax.com. But before we do, Mike, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Uh, doing great. It's November. Uh, unfortunately, Alabama is out of the college football playoff race, but you know, it's, it's okay. Right? <laughs> yeah, it is November. And uh I'm a little allergy ridden today, as you might be able to tell for our regular listeners, uh, because the weather just can't make up its mind, man. Right? I mean, we're 70s and then we're 40s and then it's all over the map. This is true. That's kind of how the economy is, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, you know, speaking of, before we get into our main topic, uh, Fed rate, another tick up. Um, we've had uh, that happen uh, just, a, just a little bit before this podcast taping a couple of days back. And of course, we had the elections. The market's not been happy with either, it doesn't appear. Uh, and then we've also had some inflation news. What, what have we got going on here, man? Yeah, it's been a really busy first couple of weeks of the month here. So one of, one of the things is the Fed in early November for the sixth time this year raised interest rates again. So they added another three quarter percent on there. So they've gone essentially from about zero to over four percent just in the span of the last seven or eight months or so. That's one of the you know most historic interest rate rises in history in that. And that's what you've seen come through the economy. Mortgage rates have more than doubled over this year. So there's just a lot of things that are going on. Uh, you know, just here recently also, we just had the October inflation print come out. So it was 8.2 in September, and it came out at about 7.7 here for the October print. So the markets are rallying a little bit in the near term, basically saying, hey, you know, maybe this will make the Fed stop raising interest rates. Uh, you know, will it, will it not? Who knows how that's going to play out? The, the key thing as you go forward is just make sure that, you know, your position, independent of whether the Fed is going to continue to raise interest rates, which we think that they are, they probably get another percent in them over the next three to six months. And just make sure that you're actually starting to take a look at your portfolio. And this is what we're sharing with a lot of clients. We're calling it go time which is, you know, we may not be at the end of this rate cycle, the rate hike cycle, but we're a lot closer than where we started at zero, right? And the Fed wants to get up to five. So start taking a look at your portfolio now and saying, okay, how do we reposition some things now to take advantage of what's on the other side when we look out six, 12 months down the road? And Mike, at the time we're taping this, we're just a couple of days past the election day. We're still having some races that aren't finished and so on and so forth. And the, the market at first... The next morning seemed to be on the uptick, but it's been down ever since later that afternoon, uh, yesterday, and again this morning so far. So is it is it just kind of processing the the election as well, or is that more you think based on the the um, the numbers? Yeah, the, the market's pretty fickle when it comes to the election side. So I, I think that the market was kind of anticipating a more clear cut Republican uh, victory, not as much in the Senate, but more so the House, uh, and that's probably going to play out that way. 
it just didn't turn out that way on Wednesday morning, you know, so uh, just after the election. So I, I think the market's just looking for a little bit more clarity, a little bit more certainty. Uh, and then just like all elections, at the end of the day, it won't mean anything, mm, you know, because okay. nothing will still get done. But at the end of the day, that's kind of where the market's kind of digesting. You know, not only did we just have an election, but the Fed's raising interest rates. How close are they to being done? And what's going on with inflation? Is this just a blip or are we actually trending lower? Gotcha. Yeah, I like that. It's just kind of digesting it. It's taking its time to to process a little bit. Okay. I like the way of kind of viewing it that way. So we'll see how it plays out into next week. And and of course, this is our this is our mid-November podcast. We'll be back with another one right before Thanksgiving as well. So we'll have some more topics for you folks. But for right now, let's go ahead and jump over to the Grass is Greener chat that I mentioned earlier. Uh, because, you know, Mike, it's been a volatile year, right? And many people throughout this year have started thinking, they start wondering, well, you know, maybe am I right? Am I in the right plan? Am I working with the right person? Right. It starts to kind of, you know, maybe many people did this earlier in the year. Who knows? We'll, we'll see how it all plays out. But a lot of speculation that next year is going to be a fairly rough economic year as well. And so people start thinking, well, maybe it's time to shop around. And just like a relationship or a job, many times we can do that and feel like maybe the grass is, you know, greener back on the other side. You know, we all kind of have that that regret, which I think it's fantastic for professionals like yourself. Typically, you offer complimentary reviews and consultations to kind of find out, uh, you know, it's a pretty low-hanging fruit to find out if it's the right fit to move to a new advisor. But here's some questions I have, some statements, some various uh, scenarios. I want you to break these down for us a little bit as to whether or not they're a legitimate reason or maybe just give us some point counterpoint to them. Uh, So let me jump into the first one here. Maybe your advisor made a mistake. uh, They admit it. And it did cost you some money. Is that automatic grounds to go shopping and looking for someplace else? Or is it, you know, severity driven? Yeah, I think it's severity driven and not even just by the dollar amount, but how it actually occurred. I mean, that, that's the thing. You know, there's things that are going to come up and maybe you had those conversations and reviews and the client forgot or, you know, unfortunately, the advisor did something wrong. But I think more importantly, it comes down to what kind of mistake was it? You know, was it just one of omission that just kind of happened or was it something that really had to do with their business model or how they operate? Such as, well, it, it was, you know, we, we see it all the time with having a tax practice here. Somebody will come in, it'll be a new client, we'll take a look at it. And, you know, their advisor did a Roth conversion because they thought that was a good idea, but they never shared with them that if they did too much, not only does it increase their taxes, but also increases their Medicare. We've seen, we just oh. recently brought in a new client that has, you know, a little over $6 million and, and the client who's using an out-of-state uh, advisor. And basically, they've been advi- had the same advisor for about eight years. And it, we started talking about the estate planning side and what the impact was going to be. And they didn't realize that they had an Illinois estate tax problem. Why? Because the advisor didn't know Illinois estate taxes. Mm, wow. and, and then we've also seen it on capital gains, you know, where people transfer in money to an advisor, they sell everything, and then they, they change it because they want to put it in their new strategies. And that may be right or wrong, but all of a sudden, if it was in a non-IRA account, they owe a ton of capital gains. And now that's going to impact them on the income tax side, on the Medicare side. So it's it just depends on how that mistake was made. Was it because the advisor didn't really know the impact of it because they don't understand taxes, don't understand estate planning, those kind of things? Or was it just something that was more of an oversight? And that there's a huge difference between those two from a competency standpoint. Now, that's a great point. And I, I really like how you were looking at that there. There's a lot of different elements. And uh, certainly, yeah, that's a fantastic point that you brought up about the conversions. I talk about things all the time and not very often is that some of those points uh, mentioned. So uh, good ideas there to ponder. What about the situation, Mike, 
of, um, you know, just providing clarity uh, to the relationship. You know, maybe you're working with someone and they're not providing you the, the total picture, I suppose, right, that you're looking for. Whether that be the planning processes, whether it be fee or compensations, expectations even. Many people wind up feeling like they're not having their expectations met, and so they decide to go shopping for a new advisor. Yeah, that, that happens often. Because what happens, I think as a relationship matures and as the advisor's business matures, a lot of times what you wind up seeing is that some clients, you know, independent of size, might get kind of pushed off over to, you know, a junior advisor or, you know, the other advisor gets a little too busy or something. A lot of times it goes back to business model too. You know, the advisor is so worried about hunting and finding new and acquiring new clients that they kind of forget about the clients that they have. So they're no longer offering the level of service that maybe that they once did, you know, and and that's just one of the things that really two of the things that really kind of irks clients. It's like, you know, hey, when I when I was a prospect, you were all over me and you were available. And then when I became a client, it's like, I can't reach it. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that's actually kind of on my list. And I guess maybe I could just, I'll just jump to that one real fast and then we'll circle back around since you brought that up. Uh, it, it was kind of the, the accessibility factor of things. Uh, and some people do have a problem with that, you know, the communication factor or even the size of the, the firm. You know, it's like some people are looking for a boutique firm. Some are looking, some kind of feel comfort in that larger, bigger, you know, uh, entity corporation or, or whatever. They've got, you know, tons of advisors and tons of staff. Maybe they kind of like that. They have a big building or whatever the case is. But that's kind of on us, isn't it, as the client to say, what are we looking for? Because if you go to a practice and with a, a kind of a boutique practice and it's, you know, you and I hands on, for example, Mike, you're my guy, and then your business grows through the years and then I can't get to you as much anymore because you're just busier, is that necessarily, you know, the fault of the advisor or is it just no longer the right fit for you? Yeah, I, I think you, you got to take a look at you know, what's your expectations from that? Now, I'll give you an example because I had this conversation with multiple clients uh, back in August. In August, we held a client event at, you know, Lake Geneva is just in, in Wisconsin, just over the border from us. So we had a boat cruise out there. We had about 80 people on it, you know, clients, some brought some friends, and of course, all our team here at Crystal Lake Taxa Financial. And we just, you know, had some drinks, had some appetizers and cruised the lake on a beautiful day and that. And a lot of clients came up because we've, we've brought on another advisor. You know, we, we have a CPA, we brought on some additional staff. So everybody sees the business continuing to flourish and grow and they're, and they're excited and they're proud because, you know, it's a healthy business. And on the other side, like, well, how's that going to change our relationship, Mike? And, and the way that I've said is we have no desire to have a thousand clients. You know, we don't want the infrastructure that that would take or the lack of personalization that would come with that as well. So when you mentioned boutique, we said, you know, right now I'm knocking on the door, getting close to having 300 households in our practice and our financial mm -hmm. family here. And I don't want more than 300. Now we do have a Connor, who's another advisor of ours, and he's going to build you know, an, another practice and he'll have clients to service. But for me personally, the reason I come up with 300 households is because I want to be very important to those 300 households. I want to be accessible to those 300 households. And you know, so it's not always about more. It's just about, can you continue to add value to those that you work with? And that's just the way our practice is built. 
Gotcha. Okay. So we're talking about that grass is greener and, and uh, all that good kind of stuff here. So let me go to the next one on my list. Um, the dinner seminars. We kind of have to bring up that whole <laughs> that whole <laughs> dinner seminar thing. Um, you know, maybe you go out to one of those. It's really fun time. It's a great presentation or, or whatever the case is. Uh, you're working with somebody currently and you kind of feel like there's some things that were presented that you're not getting. You know, is it a grass is greener situation? Because, uh, you know, you decided you want to go check that out a little bit further. I mean, that is kind of the point of these is to be kind of a, a salesy kind of thing. Uh, however, you know, maybe you did find something engaging in there. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple ways that I would look at that, you know, and I'll, I'll try not to offend too many of my uh, peer groups, you know, <laughs> in the industry here. But, you know, part of it is, you know, and I'll, and I'll use kind of like an app, like you get all, you know, download all these free apps on your phone and these free games and all these great things. And, you know, and there's nothing wrong with people going to these dinner workshops because they want to just gather information or they like the free food or something. But I'll use the app example that if you're not paying for something, but you're getting something in return, then you are the product. Right. So yeah. when it comes to the dinner seminars, essentially, you know, it costs them about 10 grand to put on those two nights for a dinner seminar between the mailers and the meals and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of people with really good intentions. Sure. But the reality is the only way that works for them is they have to sell you something. And that's okay from an advisory standpoint. But the other thing, and if you think about it a little bit from a fiduciary standpoint, is it has to be something that pays a pretty good commission because they're already 10 grand in the hole just for hosting the free dinner event for you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, a lot of people don't have the right interest in mind. I would just say be mindful of going in and if someone's buying you a steak dinner for free, then it may not actually be free in the long run. And what's the motivation truly behind it? Okay. All right. Good points. Um, how about this one, Mike? The the grass is greener conversation when it comes to, you know, working with your advisor and you've moved. You know, we've certainly seen a lot of that over the last couple of years. Um, many advise. I mean, COVID certainly in one, I guess, positive aspect, if you can find me, there's not much, is that people are a little bit more comfortable doing business over Zoom or whatever the case might be right around around the country. Uh, and many advisors have clients all over the place. But if, you, if you've if you moved, if you just started the relationship and you moved, hey, maybe it makes sense to look for someone else, you know, that if you have that, um, I'd rather look someone in the eye kind of approach, right? But I think if it's the idea of just moving and, and no longer being able to work with your person, it's a little outdated now. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I, we, we tell clients all the time that from the, the first time that we meet them is that, you know, good financial planning advice knows no geography. Uh, so it, it doesn't matter if somebody's you know sitting here in the Chicago market, if they're down in Florida, if they're in Washington, if they're in California, you know, it, are you getting what your expectations for the relationship are? So we, I'll, I'll give us as an example. About seventy-five percent of all of our clients are you know within an hour and a half of the Chicago market. Uh, you know, Chicago, Milwaukee area. The other 25% are scattered across the country. Uh, so we've got clients in 27 different states out there. And, you know, for, for those, we got a lot on both coasts in Florida. We got some in California, we got New Mexico, we got Arizona, we got South Carolina, you know, all Pennsylvania, all over the place. And the thing is, for a lot of those, we'll make regional trips. So we might have a couple Zooms or phone calls during the year, or they might come back in town to see friends or family if they've got them in the area or just to visit Chicago. But usually once, twice a year, I'm actually flying out to them 
to actually say, okay, you know, Mike's going to be in, you know, let's say the Gulf Coast of Florida this week, and then we'll just kind of work our way down the, down the coast, and then meet, you know, have have zooms mm, or, nice. or you know have live meetings, and you know go out to lunch and kind of do our reviews and things that way. So I think that it really boils down to the relationships you have, and this really goes to all the all the questions that were out here is. Are they delivering on your expectations? For us, the reason we can have clients in 27 different states is because we have a CPA on staff. We got a legal team in house. We handle the financial planning, the proactive tax planning. That's important to people. It's not just about, hey, what kind of stocks and bonds is Mike buying me? What it is, it's about the full financial plan. And that's why clients want to work with us from across the country. Yeah, absolutely. Great points, too. And really cool uh, for from a business model standpoint. I imagine that makes a lot of uh, clients uh, very happy. It's like, hey, he's going to be in the area. Great. Let's go out and uh, still get that kind of face-to-face if that's something that uh, you know you desire. So great. <laughs> Our final one, market downturns. I mean, got to talk about that one as a grass is greener. Kind of similar to the money mistake from the first one, Mike, a little bit. You know, you've lost money in the portfolio. The market's taking a downturn. Market's taking a beating, however you kind of want to look at it. Um, how much of that is is the advisor? How much of that is us, right? Uh, 2021 and 2022 are interesting reminders that it's easy to kind of lose sight of that. 21, everybody's fine with the risk, and you didn't maybe think about you know, paring back a little bit or, or taking some off the table. And then in 2022, you got your hat handed to you, right? No, agreed. And and I, I think I'm a big believer in, you know, personal responsibility, right? And this is whether you're working with an advisor or not. So I, I see this as one of those things and, you know, use say COVID in March, 2020 as a fire drill, really. And so it could have been, you know, November, December, 2018, you know, so even just going back just a few years here mm-hmm. is that, you know, first time shame on the advisor, right? For just having you too risky, you know, taking more risk than maybe you thought. Everybody thinks they're conservative, even if they've got 70, 80% of their money in the market. They're like, oh, I'm conservative. Right. Then we show them the risk score and they're like, oh my God, I didn't realize how much has to, you know, how much risk has really taken. And 2022 is a great example of that. That even people in like a 60% stock, 40% bond, or 50-50 portfolio are still down double digits. Yet they thought they were being conservative. So first time once, you know, in 2018 into 2018, when we had a, you know, almost a 20% sell-off. In the three weeks of, you know, the COVID drop where the market lost 35%, those were your fire drills. So those were the times when the advisor, you know, shame on him or her because, you know, they maybe they didn't realize how much risk was there. So, But that was a great opportunity when everything rebounded to kind of make some adjustments going forward. Unfortunately, a lot of people didn't because it recovered so quickly. So on the second part of it, it's shame on you. And that's the personal accountability, which is, you know what, you need to step up and be like, you know, who I'm working with. They're not listening to me. I want to be more conservative. I want to protect my assets. I need to get income off of these things. This is the money that has to last me the rest of my life. So at some point, and that's where a lot of our clients come in. You know, this year we've brought in over $50 million of new relationships, and 80% of them are from other Wall Street firms, you know, the big firms and the big offices and you know, the class A buildings and you know, I mean, running commercials all the time. Why do we get them? Because we actually listen to people. We, and we say, okay, you know, you may want to take more risk, but you really need to at this time of your life. Or, you know, you got a big tax bill. There's ways to mitigate that. There's different things that you can do. So the key thing with any relationship that you have from an advisory perspective is, are they listening to you? Are you positioned both for risk and taxes, estate, all these kind of things for what you need to accomplish, not for just what they're trying to sell? 
fantastic points here on the podcast with Michael Stewart. So that's going to wrap up our, our section here on the grass is greener on the other side. Some good points to think about if you're in the market or thinking about being in the market for shopping for another advisor. And there's nothing wrong with getting a second opinion if you do. And it doesn't mean you have to wholesale make changes if you still are just going out and shopping as well either. So before you do uh, anything drastic, you know, definitely do that. Definitely shop around. But then think that situation and scenario through. So uh, let's wrap it up, Mike, this week with uh, email questions as we tend to usually do. And we've got uh, Lenny, and he is in the Cary area. And he says, I'm embarrassed to ask this question, Mike, because I know there are people who have actual problems with money that would love to be as fortunate as I have been. But I'm wondering what you do once you're in your 70s and you realize you have more money than you're going to be able to spend. I have three kids, and I guess they'll probably just inherit it. But in a weird way, I'm almost sad that I didn't enjoy more of this money myself along the way since I worked so hard to save it up. Uh, people, I've seen this before, Mike. What's your take on something like this? A lot of people live what we call a what-if retirement. you know, And that's like, well, what if the markets crash? What if I get sick? What if? And so then they retire, and they've got more money than they need. And they can generate all the income that they want. And they can travel. They can do all these things, but they don't. They just kind of wrap their arms around this, you know, I, for, I forgot, you know, is it McScrooge or whatever it was, you know, they just, they just wrap their money around this big, you know, arms around this big bag of money and be like, okay, this is, I got to live a, a just in case retirement, a what if retirement. And the thing is, but then they get five, 10, 15 years down the road and they realize that, you know what, they had saved enough. And if they were positioned and, and protected it enough, they could have been doing so much more. And now, you know, if the health starts failing and other things start happening, they have a lot of regrets, you know. So what we do, what we share with a lot of clients is, you know, because we have more of an income-based model where how much income can we get off of our portfolio so we don't have to worry about spending through the principal. We don't have to worry about market drops because the income isn't going to change. So, you know, what we counsel clients on is looking at things like, you know, hey, if you realize, if we've run the plan that you're not going to run out of money, you know, and this is going to the kids, the grandkids, the church, whatever it is, do we want to do a gifting strategy so you can actually see somebody benefit from this while you're here? Or, you know, uh, Lenny, you said you're, you know, your 70s. The thing is, you know, required minimum distributions at 72. But once you hit 70, you can start doing qualified charitable distributions, donating money directly from your IRAs and your retirement accounts to worthy causes. You know, or Lenny, you know, do you have long-term care? If you want to protect what you have, you know, you might want to consider investing in long-term care because then that's going to insulate the portfolio from, you know, any kind of health care event. You know, the key thing is that, you know, have your plan. When you put that financial plan together with whomever you're working with, we call ours a retirement success blueprint. It should outlay all this out so you know what you can spend. You know the things that you can do because you've, you've worked your whole life to save for this. So why not enjoy it while you still have your health? Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for the question, Lenny. We appreciate that. Uh, and, and anybody who's in a similar situation, if you've got those questions again, before you take any action, always reach out to a qualified professional like Mike. Uh, you can find them online at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. As he mentioned earlier, uh, they are a one-stop shop with CPA, enrolled agent, paralegal, all those good things on staff. So they are here to help you with questions if you have those like Lenny's. So again, crystallaketax.com. And you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, all that good stuff. Mike, thanks for hanging out, my friend. Appreciate it. See you next time here on the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart, founder at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial.
Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are not associated entities. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial is a franchise of the Retirement Income Store. The Retirement Income Store and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are associated entities.